Parlez-vous japonais? Oh my god, what was that? Parlez-vous what? Japonais. Parlez-vous. May I have the... What's a pane? Japonais. Japanese. Do you speak it? Do you? Sorry, do you speak Japanese? Damn it. Parlez-vous. Un petit peu. How are yes. you? Ça uh, great, Danny. Uh, that's Ça a little. That's a little forward, uh, for for foreshadowing. That's what I'm looking for to the <laughs> news, <forward>. Danny. <laughs> the uh, news. Yeah. Do I speak Japanese? God, yes. I don't actually know what this is about. Is Take oh, really? Inoue coming back? Ooh. All right. Well, we'll save it then. We'll save it. Uh, but let's kick coming, it off. Then coming to an ambulance near you. <laughs> Uh, let's let's jump right into to Canada, Danny. Or I guess. Oh my God! Oh my God! We're not even saying who we are. Hello, everyone. Oh wow! Okay. All right. I'm sorry. There's been a lot of E3 happening. Uh, I forget how to podcast. This is Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. We're here to talk about mostly video games. <laughs> it's hard to get them off the brain after spending a week at the biggest video game conference um, in the world. Yes. Where we, I always try and get to we play saw the each F1 other. game. We, we touched. Wasn't there. We did. We touched. We were not on the same giant bomb uh, night because I couldn't make it Thursday night because I was too busy in Disneyland. Oh, nice. <laughs> Speaking of cars, have you ever gone on the uh, the car thing in Disneyland? The uh, Auto World yeah. thing. I never. I remember when I went to Disneyland Paris and it wasn't. I couldn't go on it or it wasn't open or something happened and I was really disappointed. And I eventually went to Disneyland America and went on it. And it's kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, I remember even as a kid, I think it's called Autopia. Yes, it is. Um, Good job. So it's it's a track, and you're in a go-kart. At least this is the way it was when I went on it as, as a kid. Um, but there is like a, a metal rail that is between your tires that you're driving over. So you can't go, uh, you can't drive around the track yourself. Because yeah. if you deviate too much, the the rail will hit the inside of your tire. Totally. And even as like a small child, I was like, "But I want to drive the car. You're not letting me drive the car." I th- I think there's is there certain points where you can choose what lane you're in. Like you can shift over onto another one or something. Maybe I don't remember. At like designated spots, I, f- I don't know. There's a, yeah. there's a really good picture of uh, Guillermo del Toro and I want to say Ryan Gosling. Uh, <laughs> Do, when the Oscars were on, there's a picture of them at Euro Disney or at Disneyland. Sorry, not Euro Disney. At Disneyland, like taken from like somebody who was like just looking at the track, and they're like, "You should look it up on Google." They are the most joyous I've ever like. Yeah, I was just like having a fucking blast of a time, and I'm pretty sure Ryan Gosling is driving. It's pretty good. <laughs> but yeah, okay. if you want to have a, a a youthful car experience for your 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 child, it's probably not the not the way to go so much so that this time i did not even go also because it's line is the most exposed to the sun and i'm irish and it was like 90 degrees so fuck that <laughs> i stayed to splash mountain with its indoor lines way easier nice yeah. that's uh it's smart of them to uh to put the 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 line inside for the the one you want to go on when it's warm totally yeah makes it's good total park sense. design uh, also, there was way more water in Smash, Splash Mountain this time, and it was like the first ride we went on, and my DCs got like straight up, like soaked up to my ankles with a wave, mm. and I was a squelchy uh, sponge boy for the rest of the day, uh, just walking <laughs> around um, with a fucking marks behind me. Any hunter could have found me by following the watermarks, <laughs> but it was a good time. 
Well, that's America, Danny. America. Not Canada. They're very different. No. The Canadian race uh, race was on. It happened. I will say yes, that I think the, it was a... the autopia re- of, <laughs> of races this year. Yes. Uh, yeah, I will say it wasn't up to the high watermark we have had that Canadian Grand Prix have set. How about that? Yeah, you know, we've... Well, there's that. And also, I think the other races this year have been pretty good. I think we've been spoiled, frankly. I think, I think we've had two relatively benign ones in a row well monaco is always i I still feel like monaco would have been a way more interesting race if i had known what was wrong with ricardo's car but it seemed i thought that it had gotten better so maybe that's on me i don't know but uh yeah i would say based on on the ones previous to that it was uh yeah bit of a bit of a snorer let's say it started off with a bang though i'll say that jesus that was a rough old crash we started with but maybe i'm jumping the gun here no no let's let's do it uh let's turn the lights out um, it was an exciting start from not only that, but uh, what you're referring to, but even the first corners, like uh, Max Verstappen taking it to Valtteri Bottas doesn't end up yeah. getting by him, but like almost it's does. Am- so. It's amazing. I, I don't know what it is about that turn, but it looked like he had totally gotten the position, like coming mm. out of, I guess, what is the, is it is that even turn three? Is that a double a- apex corner? I can't tell. The, the wide one that the pit, and pit exits on. Um when he came out of that, I thought he had Botas completely, but he didn't squeeze him, I guess. Botas obviously got way more traction out of the turn uh, and managed to get ahead of him uh, like pretty quickly, like way before the next set of turns in that little uh, wooded part of the track. Um, but yeah, that was great. That was a great little battle. Who was in front? We had Botas second, Verstappen third. Did Hamilton start in pole? No, oh, Vettel, Vettel did. Vettel, Vettel did. Sorry, Hamilton, Hamilton in fourth. Yeah, he had a he bit started. of a... He had a bit of a struggling, struggled weekend, um, but yeah, it wasn't until uh, I think we sort of saw the the tail end of the crash. First of all, it looked like Brandon Hartley flying up into the wall, almost going like sideways, like yeah. up onto the wall. Um, yeah, he he got so he got crunched up against the wall, and then when he uh, and that like lifted his car off the ground, and when he came back down, he came down perpendicular to the direction of cars, uh, yes. which is always frightening to see into a turn into a slow turn as well so he was he was it felt like he was going to hit anyone um but i guess at that stage he had already landed on stroll's wheel and the two of them were were pushed out what it looked like on replay was that um hartley was trying to get around the outside uh on on whatever turn that is like the exit of five i'm gonna say um leading into that little area where vettel had his uh his little whoopsie um, all those years ago uh, in the final turn. But he uh, he tried to go around the outside um, and it, it looked first like he got squeezed out or that maybe he'd hit him. I think I was thinking negatively about Brandon Hartley anyway just because I'm so skeptical of how he's been for the past couple of races. Mm-hmm. But uh, what it kind of looked like on replay was that Stroll had a little bit of um, either just lap one lack of grip or a bit of dirty air or something and he had a touch of oversteer which pushed him he was already sitting in the middle of the track and then he had a little touch which kind of made him jerk slightly to the left and he was already squeezing Hartley and he basically just put Hartley up into the wall like um I don't even think I think I think he'd he made contact with him and put him into the wall and then by the time Hartley was a passenger and essentially just like he kind of landed on his rear left tire and like I've never seen a tire pop that quick. It just like went, went like totally dead, and yeah. uh, the two of them got pushed out. But 
Yeah, he yeah. Stroll says uh, after the race, uh, this is from racefans.net, I had a good start and gained a few positions. I was side-by-side side with Brendan going into turn five. The car got loose on me. I corrected it, but there was not much room for both of us, and by the time I collected it, we touched. Yeah. Uh, Stroll suspected a puncture may have contributed to the crash. Quote, I said I thought there might be a puncture because I did feel some contact. Uh, mm. That's why at the time I thought the car just suddenly snapped on me, but I haven't looked in depth yet with the engineers. Interesting. I wonder if the replay, um, so if there was anything there. Or if there was absolutely the nothing. <laughs> or if there was nothing, yeah. I mean, I feel like in any situation, like a little bit of that oversteer to correct that, like that's 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 pretty lap one that's pretty standard lap one fair like it's not that's that's what they're sort of doing it's not like he did anything wrong in that respect it's just unfortunate that he did it at the exact moment brandon hartley was trying uh a pretty devious dive um it's a great spot it's a wonderful place to dive down if you can do it because the next turn is almost 90 degrees like it's you slow down a lot so um it's yeah, a good I, place to I, do I thought it. I thought his move uh, Hartley's was was clean, but yeah. for Stroll's, you know, mishap. So that's yeah, I mean, but totally. that's you know, this is what happens with close racing, I guess. I would I would say that if you wanted to put a dictionary definition of a racing incident, this would be one where it's like nobody did anything anything wrong. It's just that's what happens wrong sometimes. Places, wrong times. Yeah, when you it's total total wrong place, wrong time for both of them. Just the one place he did not want Stroll to lose a bit of grip was there while that was happening. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, they both walked away from it. I mean, it, it looked like Hartley's car could have maybe kept turning. It, you know, maybe something to do with the way the fence was there that it actually kind of held it upright and he, he landed properly again. And glad to see them both walk away as well because it looked like a pretty nasty shunt. You know. Yeah, it's kind of a it's one of the more spectacular crashes this year, I think. Yes. Totally, yeah. Especially when there's a big pack of cars, because there's always there's always the expectation that it could collect like five or six people, right? So yeah, glad glad it glad it didn't. And there could have been another pretty bad one on lap five. Perez has a pants soiling moment uh, after contact with signs into turn yes. was that two three that complex and yeah. skids right across. Um, he skids off the track and then. If his momentum continued, he would just, con- you know, skid into the path of cars that were in the totally. turn. But he managed yeah, he- to uh, to get control of it and not do that. Yeah, he basically sort of like re-entered the track on the apex of turn two, which was a little bit like there's a runoff area right there. When I first saw it anyway, I was like, oh my God, what's he doing? Like, you can go straight there. If anything happens, there's a massive runoff on the exit of turn two that you can, you can, you can go back on but then after watching the replay it's like oh no signs actually like tapped his rear left i think it was and perez did actually really well to stop the car from spinning um uh that's the famously where ricardo got knocked spun out there not ricardo sorry um weber got spun out there um in his last season i believe um and it's a nightmare of a place to get spun when there's traffic because it's so hard to re-enter if you're not on that island but he landed on the island so i was wondering why he hadn't um kept driving but uh, as it turns out it was probably the best place to turn on and thankfully signs had the wherewithal to avoid him as he re-entered the track as well yeah um let's see other cool stuff during the race pretty good scrap around lap nine with uh leclerc in 10th and alonso in 11th mm. which you know right. leclerc continues to be one of my favorites uh this year Love yeah to see him do I'll- well I like him a lot as well. Shame, though, once again to see Fernando Alonso retiring in Canada later in the race. <sighs> yeah, lap 40. Yeah. Wishes. I'll bet he wishes he had a Honda right now. Hey, oh. 
Uh, incident, interesting incident with uh, Esteban Ocon and Roman Grosjean um, almost having a co- coming together while Grosjean was trying to enter the pits. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've I've always wondered why that doesn't happen more often because there is a you do have to go wide to to enter that penultimate corner um, because the wall of champions corner that little chicane is the next one. So you you do need to swing out wide. And I always wonder what would happen if somebody was trying to go into the pits because you have to go wide to go into the pits. You can't take the inside. Because um, obviously you crash into someone, and that's basically what happened. I was like, "Oh, finally, it happened! Got it. Okay, <laughs> and that's it's what happened. It's not good. No, what happens is the car ends up driving onto the grass and hoping not to, not to spin off. So yeah, I, I don't necess- I don't really see Ocon as having a prob. Like he didn't really do anything wrong there. It's just a really unfortunate. Again, wrong place, wrong time. Hank- thankfully, Grosjean didn't spin on his way into the pits, and he got to take his tires off immediately. So whatever, bit of grass yeah. never hurt anyone. Yeah. Um, lap 18, Ricardo jumps Hamilton in the pits. So Hamilton had uh, yeah. pitted early. I guess he had a power unit problem, and they were hoping to kind of correct it in there. Yeah, um, they checked it while he was there. And uh, it didn't. that didn't end up happening, and, and Ricardo ended up jumping him. Uh, and also, he... Let's see, Hamilton came out... Was, it this, was, there, a, was there a second pit stop here, or am I crazy? No, oh, I can't even remember at this stage. I so, I don't think so. The safety uh, car at this top was pretty short. I think it was only three laps. So, but I think this was a one stop. Wait, uh, yeah, you're right. For most people, it was one stop. So yeah. when Hamilton came out, he was kind of mired behind Sorotkin. Yes, um, and was actually in danger of losing out to Raikkonen, uh, but he but he does stay ahead, uh, and then Ricardo pitted and and jumped him. Yeah. Uh, and then weirdly, the uh, the checkered flag waved on the penultimate lap. Yeah, which so, of course Sebastian Vettel <laughs> noticed him being was, the mayor of radio? Formula One. He said, "Like, tell them not to wave the flag yet <laughs> before the race is finished." Yeah, something. Yeah, like that. I remember. I, I I saw it happening and was like, "That's bizarre," because I didn't I didn't actually see the. Fl- I heard him say that. I didn't see the the, the flag wave. And then I looked, and then I saw the flag was waved. I don't know who it was. It was a lady. It's a she's a model. Was, was, I don't. I remember a model her like name. some some sort of celebrity. My guess is that she was like practicing or something. Like she was just waving it in so, the air a little bit or something. I've got a quote here from Ross Braun. Um, oh, okay. F one's uh, was he the race race director? Um, and he is. Let's see, her Ross Braun. The FIA race director Charlie Whiting explained after the race that uh, Winnie Harlow had waved the flag when she was told to do so, and the instruction was given on the wrong lap due to a miscommunication. Braun described Harlow as an innocent victim in a mix-up at the end of the race. She was asked to wave the check quote. She was asked to wave the checkered flag, but was told to do so after lap 69 of the 70 laps had been completed. Uh, I was sad to see her so heavily criticized when, as race director Charlie Whiting explained, it was all down to a misunderstanding between two officials. Winnie simply followed the instruction she was given, and I want to apologize for the grief she received and thank her for supporting Formula One. Something similar happened in China in 2014, but in that instance, it wasn't a celebrity waving the flag. Uh, As the saying goes, to err is human. There you go. Yeah, fair play. All right. I apologize to Winnie Harlow. That was uh, a... I I wonder who the fuck got that wrong because <laughs> like, pretty like i would be more forgiving of somebody who was not involved in f1 
accidentally doing something, then the F1 people whose job it is to make sure they know what lap it is fucking that one up. That seems pretty bad. Um, yeah. There you yeah, go. which is interesting. I, I clicked on the link saying uh, on, on racefans.net saying that uh, it happened in China 2014. Right. And they quote rings a bell. the rules stating... Quote, should for any reason the end of race signal be given before the leading car completes the scheduled number of laps or the prescribed time has been completed, the race will be deemed to have finished when the leading car last crossed the line before the signal was given. <laughs> so. That's weird. I wonder if that's if in case they forget to wave the flag for the first car, it's a way of them not extending it. No, because that wouldn't make sense either. Right. The race is over when the race is over. That's weird. That seems I like think, a bizarre rule. Yeah, because uh, after Vettel said that, um, his engineer was like, one more lap, one more lap. And I don't. Th- right. I think the race actually ended at 69 laps when they waved it the first time. <laughs> Which I think you have to do because if some people think they're slowing down because the race is over and some yeah. people aren't, you, you got to, everyone has to be on the slow train. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, that's a, that was a weird one. um and that's kind of it i guess i'll run down the race results here sebastian fettel wins uh from pole position followed by uh the second place qualifier valtteri botas and the third place qualifier max verstappen uh behind them daniel ricardo ahead of lewis hamilton ahead of kimi raikkonen in sixth place uh nico hulkenberg brings home seventh followed by carlos Sainz in eighth esteban ocon in ninth and charles leclerc in 10th. Outside the points are Pierre Gasly, Roman Grosjean, Kevin Magnussen, Sergio Perez, Marcus Erickson, Stoffel Van Dorn, and Sergei Sorokin. Alonso, Stroll, and Hartley did not finish. I mean, we were wondering what the introduction of a third DRS zone would do for the overtaking strategy, and I guess they knew something we didn't about overtaking in the Canadian Grand Prix this year. It didn't seem to make much of a difference because there wasn't really much overtaking. No, there really Crazy. wasn't. No, not even on the on the on the on the straight. Like it was I, pretty nuts. Did you did you watch that? Um, I'm gonna write down just to link this in the show notes as well. Did you watch that 2018 versus 2019 technical regulations? Um, no, I didn't. Video that F1 has on their channel. Um, they it's they basically it, in like a two minute video that's um not overly complicated they basically say like these are all the aerodynamic changes that are happening next year and they're all um simplifications uh to a lot of the aerodynamic elements that are designed to make uh following cars easier so there's not there won't be as much turbulence coming off the cars ahead less of the dirty air yeah hmm so clean air link that yes clean air the way we like it delicious is there clean air in france danny um it depends what part of france where do you want to go i want to go to circuit paul ricard which is oh my god circuit paul ricard in the south of france ah la castellet yes wedged in between marseille 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 are you looking at google maps right now uh i'm looking at wikipedia okay uh, uh, it's near Marseille. It's near Aix-en-Provence. It's near Monaco. It's kind of wedged in between the three of them um, on, okay. the, on the south coast of France. Uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's the the latest and greatest, and I guess it's the, also sort of the previous location for the French Grand Prix, which is been around for donkey's years was part of the european grand prix stuff for a while um it's it's been in like a half a dozen cities already uh, but most of it has been in uh t- t- three cities i would say um the uh the, the it took place in i always can never pronounce it. i think it's rame i think it is or yms uh ruin and charade um it was in dijon prinois for between 1974 and 84 um, it did have a stint in Circuit Paul Ricard in nineteen from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety, but I was uh, zero to four for that, so I missed those races. <laughs> um, and then what mostly I remember it for was was being in Manicor, which it was in from the I believe late nineties up until um, two thousand and eight. There was a, a time there where they redid the track as well, um, sometime in the early th- uh, thousands. Um, but uh so yeah manicor was where i sort of remember it being and then it bounced around as the european grand prix there for a while manicor was having a lot of problems trying to to get people to to go to the race it was very much sort of the same problem that they had with the hockenheim ring um manicor is is in a sort of uh i i guess it's in midi pyrenee it's it's kind of in the center of the city of the country kind of not near anything um so the biggest problem they had was getting people to it um and it never seemed to it always seemed to be like a financial problem it was one of these ones that you know kind of a bit like we have with monza for the past couple of years and of course like i said hockenheim where every year it was getting renegotiated and then eventually they ended up not doing the last one um and it, it sort of fell off again so we're going back to paul ricard uh paul ricard circuit is is a pretty popular circuit in the south of france it's got loads and loads it's a it's like a relatively modern kind of like race car enthusiasts track because it's in a very rich like a wealthy european part of the country it's a very like car fan part of the country like the south of france would be very much like that with monaco as well next door and it's a track that has like a million different configurations um so they do lots of track days lots of stuff like that and it's relatively popular from from what i have heard around anyway i mean it seems um, like a lot of different racing series go there it looks like yes. World touring car championship moto gp fia gt six hours castellet and you'll you'll see when the from the tv feeds when we get into it that the it's kind of like in the same way that there are parts of the abu dhabi circuit that that are kind of like you can see the different the the different apexes that aren't being used it's kind of similar here where there's like a lot of random turns that we're not using for this track um on f1 day so it's got a lot of different configurations and speaking of which do you have any idea who paul ricard is no not so you are you expecting me to give you 10 minutes of who this amazing french (laughs) f1 driver was sure i don't know if Um, you want well, I'm going to disappoint you because uh, Paul Ricard is not a famous French F1 driver. He is uh, a French entrepreneur who built this track and named it after himself. Cool. Um, he he's. I'm not sure what would be. Th- there's this thing called pastis. I'm not sure if it's sold in America, but it's an aperitif. It's kind of like a, a like a anisidi type um, aperitif. So like a liqueur um, okay. that you can drink. Uh, that's kind of what he's what he where he earned all this money. He also, I think, him and the Pernod company ended up merging, so I think it was called like Ricard Pernod or something, which is another sort of one of these aperitif weird drinks. Oh, um, it's it's anise anise based. Yes, it's uh, very. Uh, you can seventeen years after the ban of absinthe, 
Uh, okay. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. That's a crazy so he, story, by the way. If you ever want a weird history lesson. The go ban of absinthe? The ban, the ban of absinthe, yeah. Where is it back? Where is it back? Is it, is it banned everywhere? It's just the absinthe we drink now isn't absinthe or? Uh, no. Could, so, I mean, I'm going to get all of this wrong, but um, okay. I try to remember uh, last time I went to the St. George Distillery in Alameda, which everyone should okay. go to next time you're in Alameda. Uh, it was, I think, the um, absinthe started getting popular... So the French wine makers started <laughs> um, like vilifying it. And okay. This, or they started like making bad absinthe that was like bad for you. Uh, and then it, right. it was also the time of like opium dens and stuff. So people were mixing it with drugs. <laughs> oh, and like it was not like straight up like normal absinthe is not bad for you. You would have to drink like... Uh, <laughs> gallons and gallons of it for it to harm you but the stuff that they were mixing it with uh was actually what was causing people to do okay that stuff so um it was so it's uh, banned it's banned in the united states i don't think it currently is it's not okay it was it's, until like a couple years ago okay it is not banned in ireland so i have i've had absinthe many a time and there's the, like the there's the tradition is to put it on like a slotted spoon uh, or to put a <laughs> slotted spoon over your drink and then put an ice cube or not an ice cube a sugar cube on your um uh on your uh slotted spoon and then pour absinthe over it and light it on fire and then put the cube into <laughs> the water that's all just because it was like laced with chemicals and terrible tasting um, and no one could drink it it's like when I when I moved to San Francisco for the first time and I realized everyone was into Fernet. Yeah. That it's like super popular there, which is like easily the worst like aperitif possible. It is it is like it is like bum wine. It is like the worst <laughs> shit I have ever tasted in my life. And I don't know, everyone was like super into it in San Francisco bars. Anyway, he's really famous not just for making that, but he's also like one of the sort of He's kind of like one of the first industrial, well, I was going to say industrialist, but like modern entrepreneur who really embraced sports advertising. So he would, if you go back and watch a lot of racing stuff, you'll see um, uh, like commercials for a lot of his stuff, including, I, I think he was the first person to sponsor the Tour de France. Um, and as part of that, building this circuit was part of that whole thing where he built this circuit, named it after himself, as you do. And then it was essentially a place where people were, were having races with uh, commercials for a lot of his uh, his uh, products all over the place. So he's uh, he's not... It, it, I drink not... this aperitif before I drive every time. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like all the don't drink and drive signs that are all around. Um, especially because France was also the country where they like banned cigarette advertising for so long so you couldn't actually like whenever Ferrari would turn up the Marlboro stuff would always be like covered up in, a barcode. in, in some way which is always really funny so we this is I know we just came from Circuit Gilles Villeneuve but this is not another <laughs> francophone uh, <laughs> r- race car yeah exactly race car driver um, do you want to get into the track? sure it's a weird track. I don't really... It, it kind of reminds me of Japan a little bit. It's it's relatively flat. 
it's it's clockwise it's got 15 turns I'm, I'm i'm the main sort of thing that used to be famous about it was it had an unbelievably long back straight i think it was maybe two kilometers um rivaling china even um but they've since put like a sort of a, a two corners in the middle of it so it's split it up a little bit um the first part being a DRS zone and, and the second part not. There's two DRS zones in this track. The first one's on the main straight. It's not a particularly long main straight, um, but I'm sure people will attempt to, to do some overtaking then. Uh, and the second section is on, the, like I said, the first part of that main straight, or back straight, sorry, which is um, uh, after a sort of a weird, uh, God, I don't know what to call it, apex jungle um, that sort of <laughs> exists. Um Actually, I would, actually, I'd say the Apex Jungle is probably on the straightaway because you just see all these Apexes flying all over the place. Um, there's a great video uh, of Lewis Hamilton doing a ride-along is it great? from last year. Is it it's, great? It's, it's a decent video, I'll say, um, where he's complaining about all the fact that you don't know where the Apex is from the driver's side because they just keep appearing from fucking everywhere. All these fake turns that you're not taking. Um so yeah, it's weird. It's you know what it reminds me of is you know that like that weird little um what do we refer to them as? Um like arena section that's in the back of Catalonia. You know like that whole area at the back of Catalonia where it's like just a lot of turns and turns and more turns and then you're the exit into pit lane entries here and more turns and turns and turns and then you're onto the straight again. Circuit Polar Crack kind of has two of those, one on one end of the end of the track and one at the other end before you hit the straight again. So I actually don't really know where F1 cars overtake here. Like, I'm guessing on the straightaways, but, like, they're not that long, and we've already seen the cars have a trouble, like, last week, so I don't know if that's where they do it. Um, maybe they do it by having a bit of grip in these weird little cir- these weird little areas. Um, but I find it difficult to point at any one place as a, as a, a spot to look. Um, also because the track is kind of just like a flat um like weekend racer track so it's it doesn't have many you know uh identifying it kind of like the pro it's the china problem again where it's just like a bunch of race track with a bunch of empty stadiums yeah um so uh, there are many places that like um uh uh, jump out to me the other thing as well when i would listen to hamilton doing his doing his drive it was that he was saying a lot of these turns are quite long uh like some double apex corners and he said they're all they're also like pretty easy um he said that there was a little bit of trouble getting some grip in the first little arena section turns three four and five but largely the rest of it he said that it's not that hard the 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 camber of the track um the width of the turns uh, it's all pretty manageable. Um, there's a decent amount of space between each turn, especially in that final section, which again is a characteristic of a track that they have open for track days because they want people to be able to breathe in between the turns. You, you tend not to get a lot of like left, right, left stuff at track uh, track days because they don't want people not knowing what the fuck to do and slowing right. down too much. I bet that's so, also there's probably a lot of runoff too. Yeah, I, people I, don't I, want to hit stuff or go into gravel on their track. Totally. Day. Yeah, you said that right about the uh, Tilke was saying about the tracks. That's why there's so much runoff, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I I I honestly don't know. I'm kind of coming into this one new. I I don't remember any particular track races here. I remember Senna had an off here one year. Um, I think that's partly the reason why they chopped the back straight in half is because a lot of cars were run were revving at their limit and it was destroying the engines and they were they were having like lots of problems with reliability back in the 90s with with or sorry back in the late 80s with with that um which is why um turn eight and nine were introduced but 
I don't know otherwise where the the big spots are here. To be honest, I uh, turn ten is so fast, and turn eleven is too. That I, I'm guessing that's probably where you'll get some overtaking with people jumping on other folks down the inside, breaking a little bit later, um, especially with that runoff. But I honestly don't know. I'm throw my hands up on this one. I'm kind of going into this one fresh as well. Well, you know, Danny, uh, something that could add some excitement to this uh, to this track. Um, uh, 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 rain machines. Bernie Eccleston's rain machines. They're coming. User Tom K ninety four points out that the circuit Paul Ricard uh, on uh, Reddit that is does indeed have a watering system. <laughs> oh my god, I was joking. You were you were right. <laughs> oh my god, I was joking. Oh my god. So if somebody were to hack it, hmm. like like Hitman two style, <laughs> yes. Can, can, can we reverse back to games for a second? <laughs> yeah. So, if you don't play video games, don't worry. This will be a fun section for you as well. Um, Drew, did you play Hitman 2 at E3? No. I played Hitman 2 at E3. Mm-hmm. Hitman 2 is a video. Hitman's video game. You hit men. You kill them. You shoot them. You kill them. You're a hitman. Kill them dead. Throw axes at their The only reason I'm bringing heads. this up. You what? You can throw axes at their heads. You, th- you Totally. You can dress up as a sheik and throw axes at people's heads. It's the fun way to play video games. It's a really good game. They're bringing out a second Hitman game. The demo that they had was set at... They were kind of endurance cars, but it was in a street circuit. So obviously that's not a thing that happens very often because it would ruin street circuits or (laughs) roads. Um, But they were kind of endurance-style cars in Miami. Um, And you you were tasked with shooting like a rich person and also with killing one of the drivers who's like the daughter of... She's like some evil... They're always bad people. I always figure out a way they're bad people. They did a bad thing. So the way that I killed the driver, uh, you literally, like... I, I basically knocked out one of their pit crew, got dressed up in a in the pit garb, and then, like, there's, like, four or five different shitty things you can do to the car when it comes in for its pit. You can, like, uh, if mess with one of the wheels. You can do all this stuff. I just straight up stuck a chunk of C4 to the back... Uh, <laughs> re- <laughs> Real like subtle. The, the rear wing, like it totally would have come up on the cameras if they they <laughs> were looking at it. Like Sky would have seen it. Martin Brundle would have been like, what the fuck is that? And then as the car is coming around the, the straightaway, I was literally like holding the, the C4 thing and like blew it up. Like, it Oh, was, that's awesome. It was ridiculous. So yeah, sorry. That was our video game um, side section. But another thing you could totally do, I you can't in the game, but you should be able to do, is just put the in-track sprinkler system on. Just hack it. Yeah, make that Paul Ricard nice and nice and wet. Seems like some one part of the track. Seems like something Formula E would do. Yeah, which I have totally. been watching a lot of, by the way. Oh, you, have you? Have you yeah. been catching up since our our good friend sent in that email? Yes, uh, and I I think I forgot to link the the playlist, um, to the Formula E stuff. But uh, yeah, I've been I've watched like six races already. <laughs> <laughs> what was on? The, was it Hungary? Was on. Last week, I feel like the, the full know. race for that isn't up yet. The okay. highlights are, okay. Um, but it's been good, right? Yeah, it's been it's been great. It's a it's a yeah. It's it's sure is a Formula One or a Formula E season. That's for sure. Totally, I'm I'm all about Sam Bird. I'm he's 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 had some unlucky races. He's had some good wins as well. Yeah, it's pretty uh, good. I have one more video game uh, crossover here. Cool. According Let's do to it. Uh, user. Devi three on Reddit, who 
uh, apparently follows Max Verstappen on Snapchat. Uh, <laughs> he posted a, he posted a picture that Max posted of him training on Automobilista, which is uh, a racing video game. It's on Steam for thirty dollars, huh. and uh, he's using it to uh, to prep for France. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so if to you get wanna, used to the track, if you want to be Max Verstappen, he's also racing barefoot, which I don't know how I feel about that. Wow, that is upsetting. Mm. Um, I guess that's the Riviera way, right? That's you just walk yeah, around. Yeah, just grab your, the beard that doesn't exist from Daniel Ricardo. Daniel Ricardo is walking around in his tongs. <laughs> his, yeah, <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, okay, weather, Danny. At the Circuit Paul Ricard, Saturday qualifying time. Looks to be about uh, high 70s or mid-20s if you're Celsius. Um, 8 mile an hour, 13 mi- or kilometer an hour wind, so not not too bad. Um, but precip, 40% around qualifying time, mm. uh, which is okay. very exciting. That's good. I'll take those odds. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, though, no precip, similar temps, uh, and similar wind, so could be an interesting qualifying session uh as for the tires that we'll be using this week uh in france uh we've got soft super soft and ultra soft (laughs) uh asphalt grip is a four out of five downforce is a three asphalt abrasion is a two tire stress is a four and lateral is a four Uh, Mm. we'll be doing 53 uh, laps at this 5.8 kilometer circuit, a distance of 309 kilometers. Ooh. Um, yeah, and that's uh, that's all Pirelli's Twitter account has to say about the tires. Uh, speaking of the tires, can I jump into emails? Because I have a very good tire-related email here. Let's. Um, uh, this is from... Uh, let's make sure I'm able to... F1.cool slash emails. Names. Uh, this is Andrew who sends this uh, email in. Um, he says, Hey, former tire engineer um, oh, and now okay. tire slash vehicle dynamics engineer here. Um, he's emailed a couple of times about tires, apparently. Tires is what gets him up in the morning. Um, uh, how says, does he spell it? Re- yeah, this is in relation to the sort of the what we were talking about with the multiple tire, you know, Pirelli fucking situation with the with the, all the different names and stuff he says it appears that Pirelli is referring to grip as the inherent amount of grip in the track and they are referring to traction as the amount of grip that they're bringing in uh, with the tires so sorry this is also in relation to what we talked about last week about the difference between grip and traction I, yeah I sort of didn't really know much about that newly repaved tracks tend to have a lot of grip and older tracks tend to have little grip asphalt is made up of large stones called aggregate or macrostructure Ooh. and filler called microstructure when first paved, the filler creates a nice smooth surface. Think 2,000 grit sandpaper, which is smooth and good for finish work. God, he's also an expert on carpentry. It turns out. Um, as Give the asphalt- Caravel in here. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, as the asphalt ages and cars are drive drive over it, the filler wears away, leaving the rougher aggregate at the surface. Think 75 grit sandpaper, which is rough and good for removing material. Uh, this leaves you with a less rubber touching the road, so to speak, uh, as the difference between peaks and valleys in the pavement becomes larger on a relatively small scale. 
In order to maintain the same level of grip, you have to bring a softer tire and able to dig further into the valleys that now exist. As a result, at the most abrasive tracks, you wind up having to bring the fastest wearing tires to maintain the grip. Ah. So in So in Pirelli's term, grip refers to what you get from the track and traction refers to what you get from the tires. They won't always be uh, inversely proportional as it depends on the track. In Mon- sorry, if Monza were super worn, you wouldn't bring your softest tires because the straightaway speeds are too high and you love blistering. And if Monaco were freshly repaved, you wouldn't bring your hardest tire as the track is too slow and you don't have enough downforce and grip for getting through the low speed corners. It's no surprise that the FIA just wants three labels for tires, soft, medium, and hard. I'm surprised that Pirelli's engineers weren't pushing for the change. As mentioned for the Spanish uh, Grand Prix, uh, IIRC, they changed the thickness of the thread to reduce the chance of blistering. So they probably had multiple constructors, uh, the internal structure of the tire, oh sorry, constructions, the internal uh, structure of the tire, for each compound anyway. Pirelli's marketing group no doubt want to sell more tires to enthusiasts by showing that they have a hypersoft level of grip. Hope this cleared up Pirelli's multiple metrics about each track. And that's from Andrew, our tire expert, uh, via email. Wow. Great email. Really did, well explained. Yeah, totally. Um, did, did you ever watch Formula One when yes. there were tire wars? <laughs> yes, I did. I remember the... Uh, the, the fabled American uh, Grand Prix when only six or seven cars started. <laughs> Why was that again? Uh, because there was a problem with the... There was a safety issue with one of the tires. And I think it was one of the teams wouldn't run it. So the rest of the teams decided to, to come in as well. There was a... I can't remember exactly what it was. It was a safety issue with the other tire. Um, so basically everyone who was running that tire uh, came in. Uh, and they weren't really sure who was going to come in. There was one team that I think initially opted out, and then everyone was war- wondering whether after the outlap they'd all come into pit, and they did. And wow. I believe they did it that way because otherwise they would have been fined for not for not starting the race, whereas you technically start the race with the outlap. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Sorry, not outlap. I always refer to it as outlap. It's not outlap, is it? It's it's the formation it's lap. Formation formation lap. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got two more emails here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we got a bunch of emails, actually. Sorry we don't get around to every single one of them. Um, but I do read them and laugh at the lot, a lot of them. Especially the person, somebody emailed in this week asking that we do film in 40s, but with F1 uh, races. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so basically, <laughs> let's let's uh, for those who don't watch Giant Bomb, that's a series where they watch races and get drunk. Kind of movies. mystery science, or movies, sorry, but watch uh, kind of mystery science theater style. Uh, and obviously, Days of Thunder was the first one that was put through. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> That'd be, it'd be very weird to be getting drunk in my office while on Skype to you. Yeah, <laughs> my, it's tough my to wife do might have some remotely. Issues. Yeah, who knows though? Huh. That sounds like fun. Maybe one time we'll do like a special or like a charity event and like we'll fly you out here and we do shit like that. That'd there you fun. go. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from uh, Ben. He says, hi, Danny and Drew. Maybe Dave. And then Fernando has completed two legs of the triple crown. Sorry, I'm not sure if you're going to get to this in the news. And with McLaren And with McLaren not really having a great car still, do we think that uh, Alonso will shift into IndyCar full-time to complete the 500? Uh, thanks for a great podcast. Please don't say my last name on air. Well, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so he won the, uh, he won, he won the um, Le Mans. Um, he last did, week, right? with Sebastian Buemi and Kazuki Nakajima. 
I believe he was the finisher, I want to say. I think he... he Alonzo was? was? Yeah. He also apparently, uh, according to... If you don't want to watch the entire 24 hours, but would like a nice um, uh, prose version of the race, ESPN.co.uk has one, which I will link. Uh, Here's a section. Alonzo's pace was remarkable, and he spent most of the stint consistently lapping in the 319-320 range which was usually anywhere between three and five seconds quicker than Lopez out front. He wasn't cutting the lead. He was slashing it, harrying the number eight car through the night like a man possessed, determined to remind the world he is one of the greatest of the modern era. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he, I believe he was, sh- he shaved some, I, I heard the, the, the amount of time he shaved at the end. It was ridiculous. It was like two and a half minutes or something in his, in his last thing. He was, cause that was the night stint as well, isn't it? The last part. Uh, I think yeah, and also um, from Reddit, uh, someone graphed everyone's lap times uh, to see how okay. consistent every driver was, uh, and Alonso is just rock solid and faster right. than everyone. So, um, so the only other person to do two of them is Juan Pablo Montoya. The only person to have gotten all three is Graham Hill. Um, but uh, I have a little bit of thing here. As of June 2018, the only active drivers who have won two legs of the Triple Clown are Juan Pablo Montoya and Fernando Alonso. Montoya won the 24 hours of Daytona three times and the Kart Series once, while Alonso completed uh, in 20 sorry competed in 2017's Indy Car uh, Indy 500, but retired on lap 179 uh, of 200 due to engine failures. Um, yeah. So. Uh, and the Triple uh, Crown is Monaco, Le Mans, and Indy 500. Um. Yes, but they're also remember that the the problem was that there's an alternative triple crown, which was if you're F1 World Champion, and I Indianapolis and Le Mans, I think isn't it something weird like that? I remember reading about we because this came up in an email like maybe a year or two ago. Or oh, I see. It was like, like you have to be a champion one. in three of them. Yeah, I think I I think most people say it's Le Mans, Indy, and Monaco. I'm, I'm okay. pretty sure that's the way it works. Um, Graham Hill won uh, Indianapolis in 66. He won Le Mans in 72. Uh, and he won Monaco like six times. So, uh, or five times actually. Um, and obviously he was world champion as well in 62 and 68. Um, so it's impressive that he man, he was F1 world champion within two years of winning the Indianapolis uh, uh, 500 as well. Um, do you want me to go through a bunch of other ones that were close to us? There's a bunch. Actually, a lot of them are quite, quite far away. Uh, Jacques Villeneuve... Uh, won Indianapolis in 95 and was champion, but he actually never won uh, uh, Monaco. Um, Emerson Fittipaldi had the same uh, issue, I guess. He won twice, obviously, 89 um, and 93 uh, for Indianapolis and won the uh, championship in 72 and 74. Um, Mario Andretti won uh, F1 World Champion in 78 and uh, Indy in 69. Um, and then there's uh, Jochen Rint as well, Jim Clark... Uh, Bruce McLaren, a lot of folks who got one or two, or two. These are all people who got two, actually. But yeah, I have the, I have the one still racing, Juan Pablo Montoya and Fernando Alonso. And I don't know, what is Montoya racing in now if he's still... He's in his 40s, so I'm not even sure. He's he's oh. racing in uh. Weather WeatherTech Sports Car oh, okay. Championships yeah. he's in. He's with Acura uh, Team Penske. Um, Penske. Penske. Is it Penske? It's Penske, yeah. Penske, all right. Um, so that's sports yeah, cars. Yeah, so he could be the first one to do it since... Uh, since our boy, um, uh, Graham Hill, who would have done it in 66, 70, 72, I'm guessing. Le Mans was the last one he, he added to, to his belt. 
Uh, as, as far as Alonzo leaving, I saw somebody, and I can't remember where I saw it, so apologies, but um, someone was conjecturing that, uh, like, look, the only, the reason Alonzo would leave F1 is not for any, um, uh, you know, frustration with not winning. Like, he can't, right. he can't go race at any other F1 team because he's burned so many bridges. Oh, you think? Yeah, that's what this person was saying. Like, he is apparently, I, like, uh, mm. I guess somewhat of a, a, a politicker uh, and a hothead. So he uh, that that may be one of the reasons why he's kind of languishing in McLaren and not doing anything else. Right. Um, I, yeah, I remember, I don't, obviously that's insider stuff, so I don't really know, but I do remember Martin Brundle saying something similar. That especially during remember that that whole era where the, like the deck chair era where yeah. he was being quite like I don't know a cheeky bloke. Yeah, he was kind of taking the piss a bit, uh-huh. which I guess he was making the best of a bad situation. Um, but yeah, he did seem to. I think Brundle was saying then that he did seem to like kind of rub people up the wrong way a little bit. Um, so yeah, that would that would be a shame if that was the case. I mean, I'm sure. What teams are we talking about? We're basically talking about him going with Red Bull, Ferrari, or or Mercedes, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Force India would take him. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I, I mean, Red Bull is the only one I can think of, but I, I yeah, I wonder. I don't know what his relationship with with those guys is either. Uh, continuing on with the Le Mans news, Jean Eric Verne was also racing uh, in the LMP2 class um, mm. with teammates Roman Rusinov and Andrea Pizzitola. Uh, and led all but 10 laps of the 24-hour circuit, um, wow. eventually finishing two laps clear of the field to take a convincing class victory. However, <sighs> following a review of the car, uh, following the race by the technical delegates, it was deemed that the team had breached the technical regulations as, quote, an additional machined part not featuring in the drawing is inserted into the flow restrictor, changing the mm-hmm. wetter restrictor surface described by the regulatory drawing. Uh, so they were stripped <laughs> of their win. Shit, that's how it went down. I didn't realize. Yeah, apologies. Does that mean Alonso? Did Alonso get to celebrate? Then, oh no, or? no, no. That they're in different classes. Oh, sorry. Okay, yeah, sorry. Okay. So uh, John Eric Vern uh, and team were in LMP two. Uh, Alonso was in LMP one. Hmm. Lama prototype one, which incidentally uh, used to have Porsche and Audi in there too. In addition to Toyota, now it's oh. just Toyota. So he was racing other Toyotas, and that's it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's great. But uh, uh, I got, hey, man, he did it. I got one more email. All righty. This is a very special one. It comes from our good friend Sarah, who says, "Dear Drew, Danny, and sometimes Dave, uh, for 28 years of my life, I thought motorsport motorsport was kind of dumb." Uh, but I met someone who was into F1, and a couple of years into our relationship, I bought him tickets to the Formula E race in London, where we live. That's pretty cool. Nice. Um, I can't remember the details of the race, but it was fun. Typically crazy and Formula E-E. <laughs> <laughs> Just her. Um, after this, Karim slowly but surely cultivated my interest by casually, uh, that's in quotes, suggesting that we watch Formula 1 on our hungover Sundays together. Eventually, through this exposure, I got into it. And I really got into it. And I think the main reason I got so deep was because of you two, and sometimes Dave. 
in particular. Um, <laughs> I love how you uh, highlight and lean into the ridiculousness of the sport and everything around it. Uh, for my 30th birthday, uh, Karim got us tickets and uh, a trip to the Singapore Grand Prix. Whoa. That's pretty cool. God, I mean, like... I mean, tickets to the Formula E race are pretty good, but I'm going to say <laughs> Singapore might, might trump that. Uh, it's a generous and extravagant gift, uh, which I'm not sure I can top or equal. So instead, I want to get him something that money can't buy for his 30th. A Shift F1 shout out. Please, can you wish Karim... Uh, sorry. <clears throat> Please, can you wish Karim a happy birthday? He turns 30 on June 23rd. True Scanlon, that's in... That's on Saturday. That's only in a couple of days. Uh, thanks for taking the time to read this. Um, and thank you for making Formula 1 interesting, even when sometimes the races aren't. Uh, that's from Sarah. Oh, so, thank you very yeah. much, Sarah. And hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Karim. Thank you uh, for for spreading the gospel of Shift F1 and Formula, <laughs> the gospel of F1, really, uh, to, to the wider world, um, infecting the, your loved ones around you with our particular brand of, <laughs> uh, of, of, of Sunday morning ridiculousness. Um, hope you have a wonderful birthday. Uh, and uh, yeah, I hope you... I guess they'd already been to the Singapore Grand Prix, got us tickets on a trip. Yeah, so I'm guessing they already went. If you didn't, have a great one. Or for next did. year, yeah. Yeah, I, have a, I hope you had a great one. Um, or wait, thanks no, so it's much coming for up. The podcast. It's coming up, is it? It is coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I don't want to assume. I don't want to assume what age Sarah is. I don't know. She could be thirty-eight now. Oh, that's she might true. Have gone, she might have gone eight years ago. <laughs> it's a long time coming. Um, who knows? But uh, yeah, uh, thanks so much for the email, Sarah, and, and happy birthday, Karim. Have a great. I'll say it. Uh, law, breath, law, son of it, which is happy birthday in Irish. Wow, cool. But but, but you already knew that. <laughs> I did. I, I called someone a cheeky bloke earlier, so I'm nice. <laughs> so you're down with your uh, your British Isles slang. That's right. Nice. Uh, let's take it to what do you call news in the British Isles? Oh, fucking the the, ba- the, ra- bad the rags. <laughs> the I don't know. Oh, the tabloids. Yeah, I'm not not sure what news is in Irish. Newacht. Whoa. Newacht. There you go. You know, I uh, think actually, before we did Newark, have you been? You're a Eurovision fan. Have you been watching the, the World Cup? Uh, no, I haven't. I would really love to. Do you know what channels it is on? It is on. I believe Fox Sports One has the whole thing. Ah, uh, okay. Do you have that? Mm, I don't know. That thing. I don't know. It's on. Uh, the games are on. Oh, you're East Coast, so the games West Coast, so the games will be on for you at five a.m. Oh eight a.m. and I want to say eleven a.m. Okay. So, Two-thirds of that is doable. Yeah, don't worry about the first game. Uh, you can tune in. Uh, it's good fun. The, the, they're in the group stages now, which means that there's three slash four games a day. Um, and then once they're over, they'll be in the knockout stages. But they play like mini leagues, like little four-team four, four team leagues, eight of them. And then the top two of those go into a knockout stage, and then it's knockouts from then on. Cool. Um, yeah, elimination. So should be good. Sen- Senegal bet Poland today. I, they're the two teams I'm shouting for. With Senegal and Poland. I like underdogs, so I'm going for Costa Rica and a bunch of others too. Wow. You've lived in America a long time. Rooting for the underdogs. <laughs> yeah, totally, for sure. I mean, I'm from an island of four million people. We, That's when true. We got to the, <laughs> when we got to the World Cup, it was like the, maybe the greatest national event. Our first World Cup, we got to the quarterfinals, and we never shut up about it since. <laughs> yeah, it was great. All right, news, Danny. Not news. old. Uh, Not old. Red Bull has switched to Honda. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> you 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 can see the webcam. You yeah, knew I, I was, was drinking. I was hoping you knew to get a spit take. <laughs> I almost I almost swallowed my ice cubes from that. Um, 
I hope you're talking about like their official watch manufacturers or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Nope. Engines. It's new deal with Honda covers the 2019 and 2020 seasons. Team principal what? So Christian the, I Horner. I guess they're happy. With yeah. The, with the Toro Rosso stuff because they were they went to Honda this year, right? Yeah, they did indeed. Yeah. Uh, Christian Horner described it as quote the start of an exciting new phase in Aston Martin Red Bull's racing's efforts to complete not just compete not just for the Grand Prix win to complete for- races. <laughs> <laughs> opposite it's got the opposite effect christian uh but for what has always been our goal championship titles we have always taken decisions such as this dispassionately and with only one criteria in mind uh we do believe the outcome will allow us to compete at a higher level after careful consideration and evaluation we are certain this partnership with honda is the right direction for the team wow what the fuck is he they were wait they take these things dispassionately and for one what was the reason championship titles Fa- the, fast car how how is that dispassionate <laughs> i guess he's trying to uh to stave off accusations of like no you just you don't want to go with renault because you don't like him oh okay oh yeah okay i can see that yeah i i mean there's a lot of changes happening but that season and then in, in the sort of intervening one too so who knows but oh boy oh boy oh boy oh boy I don't, i'm not i'm not I'm not so sure. I, I, spe- I think the thing that like makes me worry the most is after I watched that documentary on the McLaren. Remember that? Yes. Whatever, whatever the F1 driver or whatever the hell it was called. Grand Prix driver on Amazon. So so good. Four part four part series. I want to say uh, they're also like good. three or thirty minutes long. So it's basically a two hour movie. Yeah, very snackable. I did it all in one night. Uh, I, I just like fundamental communication problems between the two teams. Like just the the size of the team that came to Honda obviously there, there there seemed to be genuine sort of like language issues maybe as well between a lot of the like there was sort of one point person talking between the two of them whereas like there was like whole groups of engineers who were trying to figure the problem out like it's just like everything about it looked like oh this isn't really a good collaboration like it doesn't fit well um so hopefully Red Bull being a company that probably work internationally a lot more might be able to like figure that out or something but it just seemed like there was like really basic problems production problems going on between them when i watched that maybe i was reading too much into it or something but it seemed seemed like a big. i problem. mean that was the was was that the first year of honda no it was the second because it was when yeah um, the, first was, van dorn yes it was van dorn's first year yeah yeah so. uh i mean <laughs> this is a total hot take but look at fernando alonso uh retiring from this race, and I, yeah. I want to say uh, we've seen a lot of, or at least more, Renaults retire. Uh, Renault yeah. engines retire this year. I think, um, was it Danny or have- Max or something? I don't know. I'm, I'm totally grasping at straws here. Um, but uh, I haven't I haven't seen that. Or I don't feel that. I feel that from Renault engines. I don't feel that from Honda engines this year. Let's uh, look at the retirement. So who am I looking at? Well, who am I looking at for um, retirements? So we've had Magnussen and Gasly on the first race. Let's have a look at Alonso. Alonso are these was, all engine related or, or are uh, they? I, did, I guess I can't tell, can I? Yeah. Um, Alonso's retired the past two. So we know, was was Monaco? Uh, uh, I don't remember. I'll bet someone remember. on Reddit has done this. <laughs> yeah, probably already. Um 
And then, so we're looking at Gasly and Hartley. But like, um, Alonso has not been lighting it up. Right. And the Toro Rossos aren't in the back of the field. Hartley was retired once, but that was the last race and that wasn't an engine issue. Um, and then Pierre Gasly has retired twice in Australia. I and he's been doing in well Spain. in a Toro yeah, Rosso, he has. which is not yeah. a Red Bull. True. I mean, he's not got the points Alonso has, but... Um, he's also like not Alonso and he's not McLaren. That's true. Alonso so I, got 32... I, I have no too. idea how it's going to go. Uh, I think yeah, it bit could of, be bit totally of, fine. Bit of six of one half dozen of the other here. Yeah. Like, it's kind of hard to tell with, with only this many races, perhaps, as well. Or it should be hard to tell with this many races. If it was easy to tell with this many races, then so, one of the teams had a problem. Right. Um, so, yeah. I, I, You know, who are we to know more than a massive Formula 1 team? So, so uh, you know. The last people. That's who we are. <laughs> that's... that's <laughs> <laughs> this whole podcast yeah. is conjecture, Danny. We don't have any ins here. Conjecture F1. Yes. So it's harder to type into Apple, so we didn't use that one. Not even sure how to spell it. <laughs> uh, last bit of the news items here. Force India say they have come through a cash squeeze. There were some rumors floating around that they were going to get bought um, by somebody, either their uh, chief sponsor or somebody else um, for perhaps to pay for, for to pay for uh vj malia's um uh extradition uh, <laughs> or right or legal, legal costs uh yeah but this this article from reuters uh they're talking with chief operating officer otmar S- safnauer i fucking love f1 yep he's american oh. by the way otmar satnav what's his name <laughs> yep uh, safnauer safnauer yeah Jesus says uh, it's no secret we asked for a bit of money up front from F1 owners Liberty Media so that gets us through the winter Uh, this year that money wasn't forthcoming because I think some of the teams said you can't do that and blocked it (laughs) so that put a bit of financial strain on us over the winter if you don't have the cash flow but we're Uh. now past the winter months and it should be easier for us make hay while the sun is shining I, I don't, like, if there's anyone out there who wants to get into Formula One, buy Force India. <laughs> right, yeah. They're, let's see, where are they on the constructor standings? Uh, oh, they're actually in sixth, but they've been uh, number four for a lot of years, and they have consistently one of the lowest budgets. So imagine if yes. someone like, I don't know, Audi wanted to come in. Um I, I don't I don't know why you wouldn't just go with those guys. They seem to be doing yeah. well. For it's what so funny. It's like F one or like it's like the it's like your dirtbag brother who like can't get his life together. So your parents keep giving him money, and then one year you're just there's like an intervention with all the other kids, and they're like, no, you, just, you gotta let him stand on his own two feet. We can't we can't we can't <laughs> prop him up. They'll figure it out if you just pull the money away, pull away the safety net. They'll figure it out. They'll, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it, it feels like they've been they have figured it out, <laughs> but they're still really really uh, underfunded. Uh, but glad to hear that they're. It seems like the storm has passed and that they're that they're fine. I like Force India. Um, he was formerly vice president of Honda Racing Development. Was Otmar Safner. <laughs> uh, speaking of constructor standings, let's run down the list. What do you say? 
Let's do it. Uh, Mercedes out on top with 206. Ferrari right behind with 189. Red Bull's got... That is as close as we have had in a long time this this late in the season, this early in the... This middle in the season. Yeah. Uh, Red Bull's in third place with 134. Renault is in fourth with 56. McLaren's got 48. Force India in sixth with 28. Scuderia Toro Rosso Honda is tied with Haas for seventh with 19 points. Ooh. Sorry, Gene Hawson team. Sorry, Gene. Uh, ninth place is Sauber with 12. And Williams bringing up the rear with four points. 12 yeah. from Sauber. That is a far cry from years past. Yeah, they're doing uh, they're doing all right. Mercedes, uh, Williams, Mercedes doing uh, not so great. Um, but then Sorokin, I don't think he's gotten any of those points, has he? Maybe he has. I think someone pointed out, uh, maybe it was the Cloth Map Discord, but um, <laughs> Charles Leclerc has uh, almost as many points this season as Marcus Erickson has in his entire career. Really? It's like 10 to 11. Charles Leclerc, what, how many points does he have this year? Uh, I guess you're going to run them down. Yes, he has 10. Wow. Uh, to... That's 10 more than Roman Grosjean. <laughs> it certainly is. Answer is rocking. So out on top is uh, Sebastian Vettel with 121. Lewis Hamilton right behind with 120. One point mm. behind. Valtteri Bottas in third place with 86. Danny Ricks got 84. Kimi Raikkonen in fifth place with 68. Max Verstappen in sixth with 50. Uh, Fernando Alonso is tied with Nico Hulkenberg in seventh place with 32 points. Carlos Sainz has uh, 24. Kevin Magnussen in tenth with 19. Right behind him, Pierre Gasly with 18. Sergio Perez with 17. Esteban Ocon in 13th place with 11. Charles Leclerc with his 10 points. Stoffel Van Dorn in 15th with 8 points. Lance Stroll with 4. Marcus Erickson in 17th with 2. Brendan Hartley's got 1. And Roman Grosjean and Sergei Surratt can have zero points come on roman come on sergey get it get her done brandon yes. hartley can get 10th place in baku you can too <laughs> uh should we take it around the world Danny? i think we should probably race around the world i really like the the elvis presley you bring to race around the world thank you so much oh. it's my american accent it, it involves every part of america um, I like to just put them all into a blender and see what comes out. <laughs> uh, all right. Starting Saturday, we've got DTM. Oh, I haven't been DTM in so long. Is that the start of the season? Uh, no, no, this is round no, seven and eight. Sorry. sorry, it took a break. That's what happened. But uh, DTM is a North Swing this oh. weekend. Uh, Formula 2 is supporting Formula 1 at Circuit Paul Ricard this weekend, which is Ooh. cool. Uh, Camping World Truck is still Camping World Truck, and they are back at the Gateway <laughs> Motorsports Park in Madison, I.L. Illinois? Uh, that's right, and actually, let me Sick. look up... Um, Illinois. I, on my list here, I don't have uh, what the name of the race is, so I just want to make sure... Uh, it's called the Camping Tr- World Truck Series Race at Gateway. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> if you were making it up, I wouldn't even know. <laughs> uh, World Superbike is at Laguna Seca. Um, the NHRA is at the Summer uh, Summit Motorsports Park in Ohio uh, for the Summit Racing Equipment Nationals. Does Seca mean dry? 
Is Laguna Seca dry lagoon? I don't know. Is that what that means? Sorry. Uh, uh, Verizon IndyCar Series is at Road America in uh, Plymouth, Wisconsin for the Kohler Grand Prix. It is dry, dry lagoon. Awesome. Good there call. Go. There you go. And Danny. Yes, Drew. NASCAR is in my own backyard. At the oh my Sonoma God. Raceway. Sonoma Motor Speed Raceway. Sorry. Oh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. In uh, in Sonoma, California. Wine country. Wine country. Fire country. But that's for fancy Expensive people. Expensive house country. This ain't the wine 350. It's the Toyota slash Save Mart 350. <laughs> is there a Save Mart in Sonoma? I've, I don't even know what that is. I have never, I lived in close to Sonoma for a number of years. You have lived in the area for most, if not all of your life. I've never seen a Save Mart, and you haven't either. Nope. Is it like a stop and shop? Save Mart. I'm looking it up. Where's the nearest Save Mart? There is a Save Mart close to where I live. Store locator. There's one in Edgewater, Maryland. But it, I, it's two words, so it might not, I can't do it forever. I, I think it might not be um, a legit Save Mart. Huh. I can't tell. Hmm. Save Mart. Save Mart sounds like, like made up, like Quickie Mart or something. Yes. <laughs> it really does. Uh, wait a second. Hang on. I'm getting, I'm getting some new information here from the Camping World Truck Series. That was uh-oh, not uh-oh. actually the name of the race. It's oh, no. actually... <clears throat> here we go. Villa Lighting delivers the Eaton 200 presented by CK Power. Jesus Christ. That is the, the name we could have imagined. Of, a, of a truck race. Wow. My friend, I, and I, I'm not to completely keep blowing your mind, but I have found Save Marts. Oh? I have found many Save Marts stretching almost the entire way from Sacramento down to Stockton and beyond. So they wow. went pretty close to where you grew up. Even beyond Stockton. Beyond Stockton. The one I can the closest one I can see to where you grew up is is in Tracy. Okay. So you know, it might be one of those stores that the logo is so bland it just doesn't <laughs> even enter <laughs> past your retinas. I mean Save Mart is already an aggressively generic title. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the logo is, like, fucking... Yeah, it is literally that. It is the most... Oh, yeah, God. They, oh, they've updated the logo. So I clearly see why they've updated the logo. You just Google image search Safeway, Save Mart. The new logo is, like, a little bit more, like... Oh, boy. Fresh looking. But look at the old Mart, the old one. Jesus Christ. Boy. If you looked up generic in the dictionary, that would be the picture beside it. <laughs> It's not. E- it's not even as exciting as the Safeway logo. No, you're right. It looks like a shit Safeway logo. <laughs> the Safe Mart company also owns Food Max and Lucky. Better name. Food Max, two X's. Of course, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, Danny, no, Jesus, unreal, unreal. Formula One is also happening this weekend. It is. Uh, Friday, June twenty second at three a.m. Pacific time. Good morning is first Fuck. practice. Uh, second practice is seven a.m. Same day. Third practice uh, Saturday, June twenty third at four a.m. Followed by qualifying at the much more reasonable seven o'clock a.m. And the race, Danny, the French Grand Prix at Circuit Paul Ricard, Sunday, June twenty fourth at seven ten a.m. Get your fernet ready. 
or whatever it was. That's the aperitif. That's the. Did you say seven a.m.? Seven a.m. Someone's watching that on F1 TV. <laughs> oh yeah, are you? I was talking about you. But oh yes, also also me probably. <laughs> seven uh, a.m. Maybe it might get in the way of the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'll be watching it on uh, ESPN. I think. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to do it for a show, Danny. Uh, as that always, you show. can you can find our show notes on f1.cool and in your podcast app in the uh, the metadata. Uh, until next time, I'm Drew Scanlon. He's Danny O'Dwyer. If you would like to support us, we are both on Patreon. Danny Patreon. at patreon.com slash noclip. Me at patreon.com slash clothmap. Anything else, Danny? No, I'm looking forward to getting the uh, third race in our French triumvirate of races. Um, not sure why we did them in this order. We'll probably fix that next year uh, since this is 30 miles or so from Monaco. <laughs> um, but yeah, it should be fun. We'll see We'll see what this uh, what this weird track is all about before we, we jump on to the, uh, the equally kind of new-ish uh, of the Austrian Grand, Grand Prix and the uh, Red Bull Ring. Indeed. With oh, we. Oui. Uh, have, <laughs> have a good race weekend, everyone. Enjoy your finette. We will see you all next week. Au revoir. Yeah.